church, we help me welcome Pastor Lloyd Ziegler. Come on. All right. Wow. Hey, he's been bragging about you guys forever, and I don't think he overbragged. It's I've already experienced so much great since I walked in this place, and yesterday we were here. There's, there's nothing like two um, pastors having church together in the house of God by themselves. It's crazy. And the vision and the heart that you guys carry is amazing. I just want you to know that that um, your pastor is amazing. I took a bunch of notes. I'm stealing stuff from him. He stole stuff from me before, so it's fair game. And it's just the way we work. Anytime you meet somebody, every person you ever meet has something that if you get it from them, it's going to enrich your life. I don't think you think that because some of you don't think you have something. And that's not the way God builds us. So the thing is, you don't even have to get it out of you. Someone else can get it out of you because they're trying to do something. They see what you have and they want to they put it in their arsenal. And you are the church. And there's no weakness when you're all together. So all that's going on right now, there's really no weakness when you gather together. And whether you do it online Bless, bless you guys, or whether you come into the house of God physically, this experience cannot be reproduced by just getting information. This is a revelation thing. It's an experience of God. And so the devil's not going to rob us from it. We're going to find ways to do it. The church has always been creative. There will be a way for us. And it's not just social media. It's even bigger than that. We'll figure it out. Because God's always had a people, and his people have always been resilient, and they are the ones that's actually changed the atmosphere of what's around them. So we're going to do that. Man, thank you for letting me be here, first of all. And I really needed to see Landon and Emily, and I want you to know that Tila, these, uh, those are mine right there. I, I, we're, we're stuck together. And so I'm like at a family reunion today. I'm meeting all the cousins, and I didn't even know, man. It's like so crazy. So it's really amazing to be here. I want to start my message. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard a countdown before, like a countdown to the greatest hits or a countdown at the end of the year for something, and they're saying three, uh, number one hits coming, two, and then number one. And you're hoping it's yours, but it's not always yours. But God did a countdown. Jesus actually did it. He did a countdown to the greatest. What is the greatest? And someone asked him the question. He said, well, here it is. And he said, there's three, two, one. And, he, and then we'll kind of preach him one, two, three, three, two, one. Because I'm going to preach one first, but that's not the one. It's actually number three, but it's in the word one. If that confused you, good, stay with me. <laughs> I'd like to start with what a, a great prophet um, once said. His name was Denzel Washington. He said, the chances you take, the people you meet, the people you love, and the faith that you have, that's what's going to define you. Isn't that amazing? You took a chance today. A chance is like, is this the wise thing to do? I believe in being wise. I believe in being wise and not panicked. So I'm saying, God, show us. We will walk in wisdom. This Sunday might not be next Sunday. The next Sunday after that might not be. God will give us wisdom and ways, and we don't want people sick. But this is a house of healing, too. So we also believe that God can bring strength to that. And so we're like, we're going to try to walk in as much wisdom. We're going to obey the laws of our land. And right now, the laws of our land don't ban a meeting of this size. Can you imagine how strategic your church is? Those big churches have to shut down. Isn't that crazy? Because they're building seats, a 1,000 or more. Um, in my city, it's Antioch. Antioch is a big church. 
and Pastor Jimmy Seibert, he's my friend. He actually came out to Phoenix and started a discipleship program like Masters in his church. So when I came to town, I knew him. And so I come to this town to, to be a part of a church, and he's the big church. And he goes, Z, are you having church? I'm like, yeah, I'm under the code, man. I'm like, I'm under 250. I can do it. He's like, he's like man, bummer. And then, so he's figuring it out right now. But he will. But see, I think we sometimes think big is better, wise is better. Whatever God has for you, building the building to make the thing work. So God has you in the right place. You're going to grow. You're going to grow during this time because you're set up to keep operating. Isn't that amazing? Set your family to operate. So he said that when people take a risk, that's a good thing. When they meet people, that's a good thing. When the people you love, that's a good thing. Those are the things that will define who you are. But there's something else that defines who you are. Jer David Jeremiah, the real true prophet, says this. The way the corporate body of Christ will fulfill its mission, the mission that Christ has given it, is for individual Christians to have a vision of fulfilling that mission personally. We take it on one and one, and that makes a difference. And the body of Christ is just as powerful when one of us show up is when the whole force. Isn't that a crazy? Because it's like a police officer that comes up. He has the authority behind him. He stands in the middle of the road, gets off a little motorcycle. I love the motorcycle police officers because they're crazy, man. They're crazy. He pulls that motorcycle up, parks it in the middle of the road, stands in the road, a semi's coming 80 miles an hour, and he goes like this. And that truck's going to stop because he has something behind him. We are the largest family in the world, the family of God. Bigger than China, the family of God. Is that crazy? Our family is the number one family. So it's pretty cool that you have a lot behind you even when you feel alone. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, no revelation, people cast off restraint or the people perish. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. There's something that God's put inside you. It's a desire that's in every man, woman, boy, or girl when they're born. Even if they're not a Christian, they have a desire. The desire inside you frustrates you sometimes. And until you get a vision where you see that desire at the end, now you can go for it. Because it's in you and you don't know how to get it out of you. Then you see it. So when God gives you a vision as a church, as a people, and you see it, you can accomplish it. Now your life is lived in purpose. Because what you have on the inside, you can see on the outside. And that's so important. And that happens many times in a day just like this, setting in a church, that God will unlock that vision that he has for you. And so he has a vision for us. D.L. Moody said, our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at something that really doesn't matter. I've done that a few times. But also, sometimes the things that you think really doesn't matter, they, they're a great success to set you up to do what matters. Do you understand? You need a platform to work from. And so God bless some of you financially or with business or with a great marriage or, or with kids that are amazing he gave you a gift in the spite of all the turmoil that that is your thing to make a difference in what matters and sometimes he uses the church to that sometimes he puts a church in a strategic place for a strategic time and those people together are unstoppable that's the God we serve and so have I ever asked the question God what's your vision for me I have have you Here's the difference. It turned around when I was not accomplishing things anymore to get a platform. But when I, I found myself with some things under my belt and I said, okay, God, what do you want done? I'm tired of my own visions. Give me yours. And God goes, well, okay. I go, give me yours. Like one of his hasn't been given out. And he's like, how about I give you the one I gave everybody? You're kind of like, well, I like unique things, but 
what's that? The one you gave everybody. God has a vision for every one of us here. No matter who you are, no matter how long you've been saved, if you've been saved, when you've been saved, whether you're a pastor, whether you none of that, none of that matters. He has his vision for you. And you can do his vision because his vision was what he built you to do. And what he has it for, you know, he'll help you accomplish his because you're not in it alone. His vision is that lost people are saved, that saved people are pastored. And there's a difference in that. I want to explain it just a second because pastoring saved people is different because if you get people out of Egypt, that's, re that's getting them out of bondage. But then you got to get Egypt out of them. That's pastoring because then that's making them free. Because once what you were once in is gone from you, you now have freedom to fill it with the things God has for you. So saved people pastored, pastored people trained. And that's what happens a lot on Sunday. This is an equipping of the body of Christ. And trained people mobilized. And that's what is going to change the virus. It's going to change everything around us that comes against us when God's people are trained. And then you, like, unleash them. I, I tell you what. That pastor of yours, I, there was a day he was so trained. I'm like, man, unleash him. It's like one of my favorite lines in the movie Gladiator is when he goes, unleash hell. The dog's name is hell. So he unleashes it. He runs into the battle. I'm like. That's right there. Unleash that. Man. Yeah, the world is not ready for that, man. Here it comes. The devil is hurting every day when Landon wakes up. That's a powerful thing, and that's your pastor. I'm very proud of him. The Bible says that the countdown that Jesus gave, three things will last forever. Faith, you know the scripture, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So I want to talk about them. Number three, faith. Faith is something we do. The word in the King James means, and now it abideth. It means to last forever. It will last forever. It, it stays over any circumstance. It's still there. Satan doesn't want your stuff, but he attacks your stuff. Why? Because if your faith is attached to your stuff, he can destroy your faith by taking your stuff. And when I say your stuff, your family, your marriage, your relationship, how many went through marriage problems? Come on, I'm raising my hand. And, and he's wanting to take it because then I'm going to doubt God. Why does he want to take my, my car? I, I feel like, God, look how God blessed me. He takes it because he wants me to doubt God. And so it's nice to have a car, but you won't make me doubt God by taking my stuff, my children, my family, my relationship. God is bigger than all that. When you get God bigger than all that, Satan doesn't want your stuff. And God doesn't need your stuff. God's trying to give you stuff. The thing is, what God wants is your faith. And when you have it, you're intact. You see... When, when God wants to do something big, now America, this is a national day of prayer for America. And it's a national day of prayer for us to pray against this thing. And that is very appropriate. When God, when we want God to do something big, and he wants to, he needs you to do something first. He doesn't need you to do something big. That's his department. Just do something first. Watch this. Stretch your rod out and the sea parts. I'll do that. If you'll just do that, anyone can stretch a stick. All the things in the Bible, you can go down, put your foot in the water, and it'll, you'll cross. What, what's God saying? Just move first. So I don't know who that's for, but somebody here needs to think God is doing something big for your life. Just move first, a simple step. Faith is something we do. Say do. Galatians says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. In James 2.26, faith without works is dead. By faith is where we make our difference. Faith is something we do. But secondly, hope is something we give. 
My mentor, Pastor Tommy Barnett, he always would say this. He goes, we need more hope dealers in the church. Have you ever seen Pastor? He would like rock up. We need more hope dealers. And sometimes the words would be a little confused. And so I think some people thought he said dope dealers. So we had both. We had a lot of them. A lot of hope dealers, a lot of dope dealers. We had a church, a lot of cigarettes outside the building, a lot of, um, the, you know, like uh, Swisher Sweets outside the building as well. Some of you don't know what that is. Good. You're holy. Praise you, Jesus. My pastor taught that. And so when you have hope, you give extravagantly because hope is a needed commodity in our world. And if you have it and you see in the eyes a person like you who never had it, you're like, I'm gladly going to give you some of this. This will sustain you. This will change you. This will help you because the world is not hopeless. It's just without hope. And you carry that. Is that crazy? So God says, this is a great thing. This is something that will last because when you give it away, now it's not just in you. It's in who you ever imparted it to. There's a story in the Bible of the widow and the widow's might. I actually have one from Israel in my pocket here somewhere. The widow's might. And this widow's might is um, crazy because it's a timeless. This would have been gone. This would have been vanished. But there's a lot of these left because of this story. This story made this coin, which two of these become a penny in the Roman government. So it takes two of these to even be spendable. And she only had two. And so this coin lasted the test of time because of this woman. Isn't that crazy? So check this out, though. There's another woman that this happens every Sunday. This happens every Sunday in church. And in church on a Sunday, what's so cool about this is this lady... This actually happened in the largest church in the world. The largest church in the world is in Seoul, Korea. The pastor is Paul Youngi Cho, and he would come all the way to Phoenix and golf with my pastor. And so I got to meet him. And I got to meet him a few times, and then I got to go to Korea, and I got to meet the person I'm telling this story from. So that's pretty cool because of all the people in Korea I wanted to meet, I wanted to meet her. Why? Because this is an ultimate hope dealer. And I want to look in her eyes and get the picture. There's a lot of ultimate hope dealers. They sit in church and no one really knows. They don't know them. They're not noticeable. Some people don't know their name. They just watch them move around like they own the place because they know how to give something that people are missing. This lady did it. Check this out. They were, they were going to raise money for a new building because their old building was packed. Remember, it's the largest church in the world. There's a lot of large churches. There's a church in Africa I go and speak at. Sometimes they have taxi cabs at the back. So when you get saved, it's about a half mile back. They drive the people to the front to the altar. You have to pay a fare too. That's crazy. <laughs> the, truth, the truth is, that's just bigger than that. And the people would come and go, and the early service was really early, and the first service was there, and this lady would always come to the first service. She lived out behind a dumpster around the back corner because she was homeless. And she came, and the pastor was taking an offering. He said, we're going to pay for this church, Josh. He goes, we're going to pay for this church ourselves, man. We're not going to let the Americans pay for our church. And the people, yeah, we love that. But then halfway through the building program, they got scared. And they stopped giving. And so he was, like, pushing it, and they weren't giving. And, the, you know, there's nothing worse than to start a building and have a whole edifice that never finishes so the world can walk by and see, there they failed. And that's what the Bible talks about. And so he didn't want to be that. And this lady came, and she was there. And she was in the back of the thing, and he, he gave the offering. And this Sunday, she came forward, and he saw her coming down the aisle, and she had, she had a rice bowl in her hand. This is actually a rice bowl from Tokyo because the rice bowls in um, Korea aren't as pretty. So I wanted something pretty to give. So I'm sorry. I'm just American. It's kind of stupid. And so 
So she came down the aisle, and she gave the rice bowl, and the pastor came down and said, Mama, Mama, you cannot do this. And he was crying. Now he felt bad for taking the offering so hard. He's like, you can't do this. This is all you have. And she looked right in his eyes, and she goes, Pastor, can't poor people give to God? All I have is my rice bowl. I can eat my rice from a piece of the cardboard I sleep on, but I want to give what I have to build the church of God. And he was crying and holding her. A man tapped him on his shoulder. There's nothing more rude than that. He's having a moment, and people just interrupt the pastor. And he looks up, and he was half mad, he said. He looks up at the guy, and the guy goes, Pastor, does the church have a rice bowl for sale? I have $25,000 to buy a rice bowl. And he sold him the rice bowl, and the guy goes, I want to give a rice bowl. Behind him was another man knelt down. I have $1,000. Behind him, another man, $4,500. Behind him, another man. They sold the rice bowl in all eight services that day and didn't have any church but selling a rice bowl and paid for the church. Hope is something you get. Hey, Steve. I, your name's Steve, right? Okay. I um, don't know you, but I see how you serve here. You're such a great example of a man. You make me proud. I, I would go to war with you because of the way that you serve others and the way you give. And I don't know how, how much you've given, but I could tell you, you've cost you. It's cost you. You can see it in a man's countenance. And it looks beautiful. It intimidates me, it convicts me, and it makes me love you more. And it makes me want to be like that. So don't ever stop. And I thought I would just throw in that little coin so you know you're timeless. You're going to last. Bro. Proud of you. Faith, faith is something we do. Say do. Hope is something we give. Say give. Love, the greatest, number one. The number one on the chart is something we are. Love is something we are. Love is choosing. Love is a decision. It's not a feeling. It can't be taken away from you. Before Christ, you do love. The world does love. He is love. But if you ever become life, you have to have Christ. If you ever become love, if you're ever going to complete being made in his image and you become it, you'll first believe and then you'll give hope and then you'll become love. I want, I want you to know that the things of God cost you sometimes, but it's worth it. I remember I did the biggest outreach I ever did, and the biggest outreach I ever did. There's people, many more, but it was 22,000 people with a bunch of students called Master's Commission, and it was in Los Angeles, California. It was for the World Prayer Conference, and it was a man that reached out to my pastor, who they were friends. His name's Jack Hayford, and he was a hero to me and a friend to my pastor. Sometimes you're like, well, is he a friend to you? I don't know if I'm big enough to be his friend. I don't want to, Bishop Jakes goes, you want to be my friend? I'm like, no, you're my hero. You, Mickey Mouse, and Jack Hayford. Stay there, they're hard to find. You know what I'm saying? You, you just got to keep the heroes in their place because I, I, I don't have anything to give you. You're giving to me all the time. But I have friends that I can give to and they can give to me. That, that's my friends. So I, I don't even want to become big enough to be your friend. I just thank God for you. And that's how I felt about Jack Hayford. So I acted a little kind of kooky around him. Two times I, I'm embarrassed in my life, and that's Jack Hayford and when I met Shaquille O'Neal. Um, one of my friends from the Phoenix Suns wanted to introduce me to Shaquille O'Neal. I, I sat, he goes, can you come sit with my wife at the game? Because we've been having some hard times, and I don't want her to sit alone. I go, yeah, I'll bring my daughter Shannon. So me and Shannon went to the game in Dallas, Maverick Stadium, to watch the Suns play. And Shaquille O'Neal, because my friend was actually 
playing there because he was going to probably get transferred to Dallas. And so he's, Shaquille O'Neal came to the game to see him because they were bartering for him. And so he said, I want you to meet Shaquille O'Neal. And Shaquille O'Neal wasn't dressed. He had a big old yellow suit on with a top hat. So it made him even bigger. And, I, and they go, this is my pastor. And he goes, hello, Pastor Z. And he shook my arm with his hand. And I remember I just like a little child, I was like, uh, my daughter goes, God, Dad, you like froze. I'm like, I can't believe it. And I already felt like a midget, you know what I mean? Like, seriously. And then, uh, then I felt like, God. So I was very stupid, and I did the same thing with Jack Hayford. Let me tell you what I did. I did the stupidest thing you could do. We had been in this meeting that was going to do this big conference, and, and, and he was teaching me something about people that you don't have to have a big crowd to make a big difference. In fact, that's the worst way to think. The best way to think is, he said, I want to teach you, love teaches you this. He goes, I want to teach you the value of one. And he said, I was walking outside with him, and there was a penny. And it was on the parking lot of the church. And I saw the penny, and I'm walking with him. And I'm, like, really proud I'm walking with him. My head's real big. And I'm like, and so I'm walking him to his car like we're on a date or something. That was kind of weird. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, how come we do this? And I'm walking him to his car. And everybody's like leaving, but I'm walking to his car. Like, like, then I'm like, this is stupid. But I'm already in the mode, so you just like kind of act like it's cool. You know what I mean? Like, just go with it, fake it till you make it. And so I'm walking, and I see a penny, and I'm like, dude, there's a penny. But I'm not picking it up. I'm with Jack Hayford. What would he think if I picked up a penny? And I walked right by the penny, and he stops, and he, oh, geez, and he picks up the penny. And I'm like, you idiot, you could have picked up the penny and he would have thought you were cool, but you walked over the penny. You don't even care about a penny. What kind of a, tr and we're in California, so everything's holy, even trash on the ground, you pick it up. And I'm like, and I'm from Arizona, so we don't pick it up. We like kick it over or something. I'm like, there's a different state. And they picks a penny up and he goes, God taught me something with his penny. He taught me the value of one. I'll never forget this. It, it made my outreach great. Not because 22,000 people were there, but because I valued every one. And he said, I was at a church, and I walked down, and I saw a penny. And God said, I want to teach you the value of one. Pick it up. And he goes, I kind of said, well, there's a lot of people here. I'm the pastor of the church. And I'm kind of like, yeah, I know that feeling. I just did it, but don't tell him. And he says, so I picked it up and put it in my pocket. He goes, later, I was, I was at the mall with my wife. We went out to eat, and we went shopping, and I don't really like shopping, and she loves shopping, and so she's in shopping, so I went and sat down by a planner, and over by the edge of the planner, now there's two, was a penny on the ground, and he goes, and God said, there's a penny right there, and he said, yeah, I know it, and there was a lot of people walking around, it was really crowded, so it was kind of embarrassing, so he goes, I remember I pushed it over a little bit, I acted like I was going to tie my shoe, and I picked it up and put it in my pocket. He said, I went to get the car. They were in South Coast Plaza, which is, if you're ever in Orange County, that's where it is. And he was in South Coast Plaza, so there's a walkway over the freeway, but over the road, but the road's dangerous. But he didn't want to go all the way in and go over the walkway, so he's trying to get the car to come back and pick up his wife. So he's running across the street, and as he does, he sees a penny. A penny in the street had been run over 10,000 times. It was almost unrecognizable. And God goes, did you see the penny? And he's like, yeah, I could have got killed. And God goes, wait till the cars and go back and get the penny. I'm trying to teach you the value of one. And so he goes back, waits for the cars. There's nothing worse than an old guy bending down, showing his side to everybody. So he picks up the penny, puts it in his pocket. Later, about two weeks later, he was at a conference, he said. 
in Atlanta, and he said, and I was running through the Atlanta airport. Anybody ever been to that Atlanta airport? Yeah, you know what I'm saying then. Running through at 3 in the morning, and he goes into the bathroom, and he goes to the urinal. There was a penny, and God goes, there's a penny in the urinal, and he's like, God. He goes, I'm glad it was 3 in the morning because no, nobody was there. So I flushed the toilet like 100 times. Then I go get all the roll of paper towels, and I throw it in there to sop up the water. And then I get a paper towel, and I get the paper towels dripping and throw them in the trash. And then I get the paper towel and pick the coin up and throw it in the sink and put a bunch of soap on it and turn on the hot water. And then, I, then I get a paper towel and scrub it with a paper towel. And then I put it under the soap. And then I put it in the water. And I scrub it again. And then I put it in my pocket. And he said... God taught me the value of one because sometimes you don't have to go far to make a difference. Just right in the church parking lot, someone that you sit next to, you don't want to take for granted that maybe today is the most important day that they ever had you in their life and that you would be there for them. And sometimes, sometimes you go out and it's actually in a busy situation where everybody's moving and you're going to be the interruption to the shiny penny that's laying there because everybody's just kicking it and stepping over it. And in front of all the people, it doesn't matter who's watching, you stop to value the one. Because it's not pennies, it's people. And sometimes it's dangerous. You could risk your life to do it. I've kicked in doors before of trap houses and went in and picked up people's daughters. My wife says, stop doing that because she's afraid I'm going to die with Hispanic guys pointing a gun at me, and I'm going, tranquilo, tranquilo. I just want her. I just want her. See, it's dangerous sometimes, but it's worth it. Some of you guys are good at danger. You've been playing it too safe. Sometimes it's dirty. You might get the coronavirus. You might get any kind of disease you could ever met. You'll be laughed at if they see you reaching in there. You'll be questioned if they see you walking in there. But the value of one, the church is great at showing love. The church is great at giving hope. And the church is great at teaching people to believe. I want to pray for you. It's, it's my honor to be here. You don't even know how emotional this is for me. And Landon, it's been like a journey for us. And I am so blessed to have some of the greatest young people in my life come through my life. They're acting like I'm their mentor. The truth is, I don't know who learned the most, them or me. All you do is stay in your lane and do your role because when you're together, there's no weakness in this house, only strength. But if you're here and you say, Z, I really want to have the gift to give to the world when it needs it the most. And we know it's God. And we know it's his hope. And we know we represent his love. The world will know we are Christians by his love. By our love. It's his love that enables your love. Because what they say, by your love, because you became it. He didn't do it any longer. He didn't practice it. He just, he just, was, he just became it transformed into it. So I want to pray for you. And if you say, I, I really want that transformation, just raise your hand. I'll, I'll, I'll include you in my prayer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's why we came today. That's why we took the risk. And it's worth it. This day, it's worth it. The greatest is love. God, I ask you that the world would recognize us as having been with Jesus today. That, Lord God, they would notice something about us that it wasn't, it wasn't natural. It was supernatural. 
And we pray for supernatural healing for our country. We pray for supernatural healing for our families, for protection for those who are weak with debilitating diseases, that this risk is the greatest risk of their life. We pray, God, for great wisdom and a fearless, courageous effort to reach down and value the person next to us. And if, God, we're hindered from being together like this, let us be together no matter. They can't stop our oneness. For we are one in you. I pray, God, that you would bring your faith and your hope into each life. I pray, God, you would fill us up with Jesus. And that all that shines through our eyes is the love of Jesus Christ. And when they see us, they say, I see Jesus in your eyes. I pray for those, Lord God, that maybe don't know you today. I pray, God, that they would say, Jesus, this is my day. This is my moment. And all they would do is just say, come into my life. Take away my sin. And give me your love. In Jesus' name I pray. Everyone said, amen. amen.